This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Federal Office of the Future will not be done to employees, but will be led by employees. That's what the General Services Administration goal is, at least, with its new Workplace Innovation Lab, unveiled Wednesday in Washington, D.C. Federal News Network's Jason Miller attended the grand opening and has more about what GSA is striving for under its Workplace 2030 initiative. The Innovation Lab is one of the many ways that we are seeking to create the magnet, not the mandate, for people to return to office and to re-experience the benefits of shared culture, idea exchange, and camaraderie. That's Nina Albert, the Commissioner of the Public Building Service at GSA. Her simple statement, be the magnet, not the mandate, to bring federal employees back to the office, is what's driving GSA's new Workplace Innovation Lab. The year-long project brought together five furniture vendors and one technology provider to offer agencies the opportunity to test out and provide feedback on new and different office-based designs. GSA says this is the key piece under a broader Workplace 2030 initiative. Albert says the difference between Workplace 2030 and previous attempts prior to 2010 and 2020 is the focus on the user. There's interesting history of, you know, what the assumptions were back in the 50s and how people wanted to work. You know, then we moved to kind of like a density model where everybody's packed in in cubicle uh, stations and open areas. And now the future is about choice. People can work in an enclosed office. We call it a focus room when they need to do kind of heads down work or one-on-one work. Or they can work in kind of an open office space because, you know, your day shifts and what you need at that moment shifts even on a daily basis. When GSA launched Workplace 2020 in the mid-2000s and started shifting employees and tenants to the open office concept, employees felt the change was being done to them versus with them. Many employees withdrew behind earbuds or pushed for more pre-pandemic telework to get away from that person who wears too much perfume or the person who eats tuna every day at their desk for lunch. GSA changed his approach to Workplace 2030 by meeting with more than 100 employees from 18 agencies starting in 2021 to discuss what the future of the federal workspace could look like. Albert says GSA created the lab to show how the pandemic spurred innovation in the office space sector, as well as for agencies to see what is possible without having to spend any money. There's a section of the innovation lab that I think is pretty cool that showcases home technology solutions. So if you're at home, you know, kind of what's available to you that's new and improved than maybe your laptop and what you've exper- been experiencing to date. But really the majority of the lab is focused on office solutions. Specifically, the themes that I keep looking at and keep resonating in every conversation that I have about what the future workplace might be is around mobility, and flexibility. So you'll see movable, modular furniture that reflects that need to experiment in the next couple more years until people figure out what that new normal and mode of working is for their team. You're also going to see furniture that's a little bit more relaxed so that people can bring that living room comfort to the office. There's lots of different varieties of space, and that's because the future of the workplace is about providing employees with a lot of different choice. That choice was on display in several different ways. There's desks on wheels that can be moved from a one-person who is in heads-down mode to a two-person collaboration session. There are nearly soundproof booths. Think of the phone booths of old, where a worker can hide away to take a personal call or do a quick video session without disturbing others. And there are couches, stools, and assorted other types of seating and tables that one may find at home or in a coffee shop. In each of the workspaces, there's leading-edge hardware and software, touchscreens to make reservations for a conference room or a desk area, 
Details about heating or cooling of that specific area and multiple screens, speakers, and cameras to make it easier for employees to participate in online meetings. Chuck Hardy is GSA's chief architect. He describes some of the features in each of the five different setups. There's a lot of touch screens that you can log into whatever your brand of meeting is, whether it's Zoom or Google or Teams or whatever. It makes it an easy, one-touch kind of activity. The other thing you're seeing in some of these products is sound cancellation. So we can be in this room having this conversation in an open area. And if you think about, like, your ear pods that kind of cancel out the sound around you, these technologies do that as well. So it focuses on the three people in the meeting and the ten people that are next door. It blocks out and cancels that sound. We, they showed a demonstration where it actually canceled out a uh, fire truck going down the street kind of thing. And you're having a meeting so you don't have that noise in the background. It's not going onto the screen and sharing with others. So that was kind of an interesting uh, improvement. I think you're going to see more of those. Part of the, the thought here in the Innovation Lab is to drive industry to meet what our needs are and not kind of guess what they are. Hardy says GSA expects the participating vendors to continually innovate these spaces over the next year based on feedback they receive. And the reservation says you book a space in this innovation lab, it will come with a survey at the end saying you checked in, here's your survey, what did you think about it? If you don't fill that out, we'll follow up and kind of have a phone call to do it. And then over the year, we're right now in discussions about having roundtables of people that use it to say let's, let's bring some people in and have a conversation about how it worked or not so we can elicit some uh, in-person feedback. So we're going we're gonna to hit it from a bunch of different ways. The vendors are also looking in their way of gathering research and uh, data that they do on a, on a regular basis as well. So it's all about improving the product and improving the experience. And so we're doing anything we can to get that kind of feedback. GSA is also making it easy for agencies to take part because there's no cost to work in the lab. Federal employees also will find it less complicated to visit the lab because GSA is simplifying how non-agency federal employees can get into the building. Albert and Hardy joined GSA Administrator Robin Carnahan and several other federal executives on Wednesday to show off the new lab, the technology and the innovations that are available to agencies. Carnahan says with more than 8,600 buildings around the country and 370 million square feet of space, the Innovation Lab will help influence the way GSA creates the office space of today and the future. I could not be more excited because the timing of this is perfect. Because every agency across government is right now thinking about their space needs. They're rethinking what this is all looking like. And so for GSA to be able to be out front, provide what's possible, provide these options in a way that's very flexible and easy to use, uh, I think is just another example of our team leading the way in this important change. The Office of Management and Budget required agencies to submit by December 16th their capital plan for 2024 to 2028 that detailed how much and what types of properties and office space will be necessary to meet their goals around the future of work. Carnahan says more than 200 employees from across the government have already come through the Workplace Innovation Lab, and she expects the traffic only to increase in the coming months. We know that because our federal agency partners have so many different missions and people that they serve, it's going to look different for each agency. What is going to be the same, though, is that empowering our teams so that they have the tools that they need to do their best work for the people that we serve is our North Star that the platforms, that the technology, that the setups, all are going to matter. But we're going to have to be intentional about making sure that we have spaces that create meaningful interactions for people to come into offices. It's not going to make a lot of sense if we just have the same old configurations and people sit in an office by themselves on a call, video, with worse Internet than they have at home. So we have got to have a setup that is one that 
encourages this kind of collaboration and empowerment, creates those flexible workspaces that they can do those jobs. GSA's Workplace Innovation Lab is accepting reservations today to prove out these agile, flexible, and innovative office spaces of the future concepts. Jason Miller, Federal News Network. Find out more about GSA's Workplace Innovation Lab, including photos at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics, I, um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of of people with intellectual disabilities and and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they they basically were in direct care. And, and I will say, you know, and I obviously will say about my my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're they're really heroes and um, so I was I was drawn when I, I and I just saw that you know Special Olympics was looking for someone and I thought well you know I'll take a look at it and see, see you know throw send in my information and lo and behold I, I, I get hired and um, I learn uh, every day almost something from especially from our athletes uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington DC and you know uh Terrell who who works in in our mailroom and comes by with packages and deliveries uh if you're having a day that's you know getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in but Terrell comes by always happy always enthused uh has a has a good story like it can just turn a day around for you and 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 you think of i i you know so often when he'll walk away I'll be like you know whatever was bothering me or whatever is you know, stressing me out and come on, you know, like, look at, look at Terrell, like he, he, he faces everything with optimism. And, and, and I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally, you see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the stage or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of watch, watch your hands a bit. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from from their last competition, and they're so committed and just keep fighting through 
all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from a- the athletes of Special Olympics that uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more, uh, we get more than we give. Uh, working with Special Olympics, it, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That that you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful and and I mean, we work hard and, you know, we, we're up against, you know, the things that nonprofits are up against and, you know, the, you know, the issues of the day, but uh, man, you see it, it and, and, and the inclusion and the, at Special Olympics, no one's excluded, you know, no, right. no one's excluded. Yeah. Everyone is equal at Special Olympics it, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and, uh, sexual orientation and whatnot, but you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved, everyone's welcome, everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics and experienced the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials. Uh, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier. Um, where people, and, and it doesn't have to be, uh, it's not just school age. It's, it's, uh, you know, we say nine to 99 or, uh, year old, uh, folks, uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together, uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think when you, when you go back to the, founding uh, of our organization, what Mrs. Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to to, uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out at, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that.
Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll uh, talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.